Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler and... I have been abandoned by my co-host today. First, it was Curtis. He was originally supposed to be with me today, but he bailed on me because he had a law firm in Atlanta call him to set up an interview for a summer internship, which is a big deal. Admittedly, that's a big deal. He's really been trying to find a place to intern for uh, for the summer in the Atlanta area because that's where he would like to work long-term, I believe. So he had to jump on an interview with him today. He's had a, had a tough time finding a place that was really interviewing in Atlanta because with COVID, a lot of those uh, those firms in Atlanta have shut down their summer internships. So we got a chance to do that at the last second. So that has to take priority, obviously. So he's doing that right now. And then Charlie was going to come on and fill in for Curtis. But one of her tennis matches that got rained out last week with that torrential downpour that we had day after day after day, it got rescheduled for tonight at the last minute. So perfectly good reasons or not. I don't care. I have been abandoned today. But co-host or not, you can always count on me, guys. You can count on this guy to be here doing my best to bring you our brand of Georgia Sports Talk. And that's exactly what I am going to do today. And again, co-host or not, I'm going to stick with our original plan today, which is part two of our performance review series. And then if we have time, I'm going to try to throw in a few mailbag questions in there afterwards. I've actually got my own tennis clinic to get to, so I'm going to try to get in as much as I can here today before I got to get out of here myself. But before we get to our content today, I have some exciting news to share with you guys. I am very excited to announce that we have just re-upped with Overtime Media. We have signed an extension for another full year to bring you guys our Glory UGA brand of Georgia Sports Talk. So we're really excited about that. It's definitely been a long road through the first six years of the show. We've had our ups, we've had our downs, but things have really stabilized with Overtime Media the past couple years. So we're going into year three of our of our deal with Overtime Media, which has been great. It's been a year-by-year thing, and we've had a good thing going here. They like us, we like them. They've been great partners, and uh, we want to keep this thing going. So we're really excited about that. Hope you guys are excited as well. We do have some plans to make the show even better over the next year. Some ideas about some things that we would like to do that are maybe a little bit different 
from what we've always done the past six years uh, and maybe a little bit out of our comfort zone as well, which I think is a good thing. And while we work hard, Curtis, Charlie, and I, we work really hard to bring you guys the best content that we can. I also know that the show can get better. I'm always a big believer growing up, a guy who played sports my entire life. You can't get complacent. You've always got to get better. There's literally always room for improvement. There's always something you can get better at. And I know there are a lot of things that we can get better at. And we've tried to get better over the years. And I think that we have. And we want to continue that process. So we're going to try some different things in the next year. So bear with us. Work with us. Have an open mind. We just want to make the show even more entertaining for you guys and just try to attract maybe even a wider audience. So uh, we really appreciate you guys. I, I want to say that too. I mean, I, I don't want to just share this news and say, hey guys, this is great news for us. But thank you guys so much. I, I know I feel like I say this a lot, but man, like these kind of deals with overtime media or whatever, like this podcast would not exist. It simply would not. Like Again, we work hard. Yeah, sure. But it doesn't matter if you don't have people that listen and, and like what you do. And, uh, and, that, and some of you have been so loyal to us for so long. We have a bunch of you guys that have been with us from the beginning. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that, guys. Like, uh, it's it's humbling. It's ridiculous that still to think that anybody cares at all what I had to say. I don't want to speak for Curtis and Charlie, but the idea that anyone cares what I had to say is is still weird to me. Six or seven years later, or whatever. I mean, I remember when Curtis and I. I think I, we've, I've talked about this before, but when Curtis and I first started this podcast. This I think what six or seven years ago, like three houses ago. I think I moved at least twice since we first started this show, um, and it's. I, it was weird. Like, I remember when, like, when we would get like 50 listeners, it's like, oh my God, dude, we hit 50. And then we hit 100. It's like, what? And and we just continued to grow. And it, I don't really think it's about us. It's you guys, your dedication, your loyalty, first off, to the University of Georgia, Georgia football, baseball, basketball, tennis, whatever it is. You guys are the heartbeat of this show. Like, yeah, we put the content out there, but you guys are the, are the ones that, that are the, the heart and soul of this and keep this thing going. So I just want you to know that we appreciate each and every one of you for taking time out of your day to listen to us, to support, especially through the ups and downs. Like we, we used to be a, a part of vSporto back in the beginning, um, didn't get paid a dime for years and years and years. And it was truly was just a passion project. We just wanted to to put some content out there that Georgia fans could, could enjoy because we didn't ever find the kind of content that we were looking for. So we wanted to kind of help people like us out. And that was the idea behind it initially. And so, you know, we, we had, we, we started off, you know, pretty well. And then things with eSporto went south and they went under. Then we had to kind of go to the, the pay thing with Podbean, which I hated to do with every fiber of my being, but it was the only way to keep this going. Um, and then fortunately, Overtime Media, we were able to work out a deal with them a couple of years ago. And, and, and here we are. We're still with them today. I think it's been a great partnership and we just continue, uh, we hope to continue to grow and bring you guys, like I said, even better content. I know that we can get better and that's our plan. We want to get better and we'd love to hear from you guys too. Whatever we can do better, uh, I know there's things out there we can do that, to improve the show. Let us know what you guys think that we can do with some, some features you would like to hear on the show because we really do. We try to make this a show for you guys. That was the original idea and that's always going to be the core of our show. So let us know what you guys want to hear, some some things that you guys would like us to talk about, especially during the off season, the long off season. We got to get creative sometimes to have these off-season shows. We always want to bring you content year-round. We don't ever want to shut this thing down. We don't want to be that podcast that starts up in August, the football season kicks up, and then closes out in December. That's not what we want to do because we know 
this is a year-round thing for you guys. We know you guys are just like us. And we are like you. We're just fans. That's really what it is. And that's why it's crazy to think that anyone cares what I have to say. But we want content year-round. We live, breathe this stuff. I mean, we bleed this stuff all year long. It doesn't stop after January 1st. It doesn't. It's all year. So that's why we try to keep this going all year long. And I know that sometimes the shows are like, okay, well, uh, what is it going to be about this week? Because we've got nothing going on with football. But I promise you, we'll get creative. We'll all like, for, As far as we're concerned... Every day, every month, it doesn't matter what time of year, is a good time to talk Georgia football, Georgia basketball, baseball, tennis, whatever. So again, we're going to keep doing that. Thank you guys from the bottom of our hearts. I, I can't, I just, again, I mean, I'm just overwhelmed with, with the amount of support that we've gotten over the years. And um, I'm just, I'm grateful, man. I really am. So thank you all for that. I'm going to stop saying thank you. I know it's annoying when you do that too much, but I really, I'm just so appreciative of it. And again, we're, we're always going to be a hardcore sports show. That's what we do here on this show. X's and O's, all that kind of stuff. Trying to give you as detailed a look as you can that maybe you don't always get elsewhere. Um, and that's what we're built on. And that will always be the core of the show. But that doesn't mean, again, that we can't get even better. So that's going to be our goal here over the next uh, next year or so. So do want to put that out there for you guys. Uh, but today, we are going to open with five players that are up for their annual performance review from the 2020 season, just like all of us working men and women who get an annual performance review of some sort from our place of employment. They always look different depending on where you work, but we all get some sort of review, right? Here on the Glory UGA podcast, we're doing the same thing for some of our key returning players from the 2020 season. I'm going to identify the strengths of each player and also highlight some areas where they need to grow and improve before giving them their performance grade for the 2020 season. Really, I'm trying to make this as similar to a, a typical performance review you would get in any place of business. Uh, and the scores we're going to get people here, there's ranges. The, super, the superior grade would be anywhere from an 8 to 10. We're doing this on a scale of 1 to 10. I think that's easy for everybody to understand. Superior would be players who manage a consistent and sustained level of excellence throughout the entire 2020 season. Satisfactory is going to be the range of 5 to 7 on our scale here. These are consistently solid performers with occasional flashes of excellence. And then we've got the needs improvement players that's going to come in at uh, scores of one to four. These are kind of the inconsistent performers who waver between solid and subpar performances that really, as the name would suggest, need to improve. All right. And we're going to start off with one of the big time names on this Georgia football team. And that is wide receiver George Pickens. And I'm going to start here with his strengths. We all know what George does well. George catches footballs. Is it that simple? Can we just keep it there? No, let's be a little bit more specific. His body control is out of this world. His ability to go into the air and contort his body in strange ways and pull off this spectacular, ridiculous catch is beyond almost anything I've seen. I think probably beyond anything I've seen at the University of Georgia. I mean, A.J. Green was incredible at that, but I think George's body control might even be, in the way, just the way he can contort his body, the body flexibility, I guess I would say, is I think even at a level that A.J. never quite got to. A.J. was ridiculous. and was clearly a better receiver, at least at this point. But I would give George the edge just the way he moves, contorts his body, controls that in the air. And then on top of that, he's got incredibly strong hands. You throw it in his area, if it hits his hands, he's going to catch. I think he had his first drop late this season, the first drop as, as a college football player. The guy's got great hands. He does an outstanding job of high pointing the ball, going up and winning those, those one-on-one battles. He is outstanding at that. He is an elite talent. He's got good speed, not maybe home run elite speed, but plenty good enough speed, absolutely. So he's a great receiver. We know that. But that doesn't mean there aren't some areas that he needs to improve. And there, I got a list here of ways I think George can improve. I'm going to be hard on George because I think George can be great. 
I don't know if George has been great. George has had flashes of greatness. I don't think he's been consistently great to this point in his career. He's shown us that he can be that guy. I want him to get there. And I have a list of things that I think if he does these things, he can be that kind of guy. I don't want to say he's going to be Devontae Smith because he's a different kind of receiver. Plus, I mean, Devontae Smith won the Heisman. That doesn't happen for receivers. I'm not going to say George Pickens is going to win the Heisman. But he can be an elite receiver, a top receiver in the SEC if he just continues to grow and improve on things, which he has done. He has grown, but I want to see more of that. I want to continue to see that. The first thing on my list here is he's got to expand his route tree. All right. Think about all the, the great plays we've seen George Pickens play. We've seen George Pickens make. They're nine routes, guys. They're go routes. That's what George Pickens does. That's what he does well. You tell him to run up the field, run a go route, and let the, let the quarterback throw it up to you one-on-one, and you go make a play. George has done that as well as anyone we've had in a long, long time, maybe since I've seen. Whether it's a back shoulder, a ridiculous catch on a back shoulder, or go over the top and just reach up over somebody, he makes the ridiculous look easy, but he's doing that primarily on nine routes. Okay, He's very good at that. He gives, he gives the quarterback a lot of room there to maneuver. Sometimes you see these guys that run the, the, the go routes, the nine routes, the fly routes, whatever you want to call it, and they run it right on the sideline. Or they allow the, the DB to jam them off the line and push them right there on the sideline, and they give the quarterback no room to throw the football. There's no margin for error. George typically does a pretty good job of giving the quarterback some room to drop the ball in there, whether it's the back shoulder or over the top, to kind of drop it in that bucket. He does a pretty good job of that, but he's got to, if he wants to be great, he can be good doing that. But he's going to be consistent. To be great, he's got to expand his route tree. He's got to be more consistent in all those different routes and be an impact player running a variety of routes. Really, right now, I mean, he runs the nine route and the three route. I mean, and he'll run other routes too. Don't get me wrong. He does. He just doesn't make his big plays in those routes. Like, he'll run the nine route and then have the, the, the DB playing off of him. Then he'll run a little three route, a little comeback route, and he'll make a play there, get you a nine yards, you know, sneak up, sneak ahead for a first down, those kind of things. But that's primarily what he does. That's where most of his catches come, is on the nine route or three route. Sometimes you'll see a little curl, but that's typically what you see from him. So he needs to expand the route tree. That's one thing. Now, another thing, if you, if you want to be Devontae Smith-esque, all right, or in, anywhere in the same stratosphere as Devontae Smith, he has got to learn more than one wide receiver position. He's primarily our X receiver, our number one, our go-to guy. That's what he does by trade. But if you can only play one wide receiver position, if you only know the routes from one position, that limits what we can do with you offensively. It limits the, the mismatches that we can create. It also makes you easier to defend. If the, de- if the defense knows where you're going to be on pretty much every play, you're much easier to defend. They can take you away. We talked about the first part of the season when Kyrus Jackson, what, the first three games, Kyrus Jackson was our leading receiver, right? Had three 100, he was basically averaging, what, I think exactly 100 yards per game through his first three games. And so people are saying, like, where's George Pickens? And so, and the answer was for a lot of people who are saying, well, the defense is just taking him away. They're game planning for him, so that opens up things for Kears. And that's true. That's not untrue. That 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 is what happened. But George also allowed himself to be taken out of those games because he only knew one position. He wasn't. We weren't moving him around to different spots. Not really enough at all to be able to create create mismatches and kind of counter what defenses were doing to take him away. Because all they were doing was putting a safety over the top. Because they know he likes to run nine routes and that he doesn't really know other positions. We know where he's going to be. So let's just put a safety at the top of George Pickens, take him away, take away those nine routes, those incredible plays he makes. And he's not going to be doing all that much. And that's something that he has got to improve on. And I think we saw more of that as the season progressed. He got hurt in the middle of the year. He got healthy after the Florida game. 
And I really liked what I saw from him and also what we did with him, especially in the Peach Bowl. He had a huge game, his biggest game of the season that year. Like he's a bowl game, like superstar, right? Had the biggest game of his freshman year in the Sugar Bowl last year. And then had the Peach Bowl, I guess 2019 season, then the Peach Bowl this year. His two biggest games, Sugar Bowl and Peach Bowl. So he's a big time performer in big games. That's great. We love that. But what we were able to do in the Peach Bowl is we actually moved him around. I saw George Pickens more than a few times in the slot. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? This is crazy. And it was a sight for sore eyes. I loved what I saw there because that's what we need to do. That's what Alabama did with with Devontae Smith. Of course, every defensive coordinator went into that game. Every time they played Alabama saying, who do we have to stop? Oh yeah, Devontae Smith. That's the number one guy on top of the scouting list. We got to stop him. That's your game plan. Stop Devontae Smith. But that's easier said than done because you don't know where that guy is going to line up from down to down. And they moved around, put him in motion, did different things with him to create those mismatches like you saw in the in the national championship game against Tough Borland in Ohio State. Like, like you saw against us when, we, when Monty Rice was running down the field with him. They were able to do that because Devontae Smith's a veteran. He's Now he's been around for a while. He's older than George. Got to give him that. So you got to admit that. So he knows more positions and can is just more flexible, can move around to different spots. George needs to get there. All right. If George can get there, expand the route tree and learn different positions more consistently so we can move him around, create those mismatches and make it tougher on defenses to know where he's going to be and to game plan for him. That is what's going to take George Pickens from a a really good receiver to a superstar. He's not a superstar yet. I know we want him to be. I don't think George is a superstar. He has superstar potential, but he's not consistently there yet. And that's what he needs to do to get there. He's got to learn different positions and he's got to expand his route tree. Now, he also needs to get stronger, all right? He is, he's a little, I don't want to say light in the bridges, but he, he's got to get stronger. He gets sometimes bullied at the line of scrimmage. Because Alabama, I mean, they were bullying him. I mean, watching, I, mean, I watched him closely in that game because I, I, I knew we needed a big game from him. And Alabama obviously knew he was our, our number one guy, despite what the numbers might have said earlier in the season. And Sertan, all those guys, they were being up in his face, physical with him, getting their hands on him. And they were bullying him, pushing him out of bounds. It was tough. I mean, he had a tough time getting off press coverage. And that's not necessarily um, a one-time thing. He does have trouble at times getting off press coverage and he needs to improve that with that. I think growing stronger and just being more of a technician line of scrimmage, using his hands to get free, all those things, just becoming a more polished receiver. Those are things that George Pickens can continue to work on. Obviously, we know he needs to grow in his, his level of maturity. We know that. We cannot have George Pickens getting suspended for halves of games. We can't have him costing us 15 yards by squirting water in opponents' faces. Like That can't happen. I do think he grew up more as the season went on. I want to give him credit there. He's still a young guy. But we can't have any of those issues like that. We can't have him. He can't get 15-yard penalties. He can't get thrown out of games. We can't have that. That just simply cannot happen anymore. So all that being said, he's a great has potential to be a great receiver. He's still a very good receiver. Last year, he had 36 catches for 513 yards. He exploded late in the season. We were able to start moving around a little bit as he started to learn more of the offense. Last two games, he had 12 catches, total 130 yards receiving per game, 22 yards per reception. So he's a big play guy, which you need. You need a guy that can be explosive. He can be that guy, three touchdowns. But the other six games of the year, he had 352 yards combined, at least the other six games that he played because he was injured for a couple games. He had 352 yards combined in six games, 58 yards a game. That wasn't good enough. So if you take the season in totality, it wasn't just the last two games, but the season in totality, I'm going to give George a six. He was not consistently great. He can be, but he was not. He's got to get there. And uh, that's why, I, I, again, I'm, I'm being hard on him because we know he made some spectacular plays and was huge down the stretch. And he was clearly the best receiver. He just got some things he got to work on. Grow the route tree, learn more positions, 
be able to get off press coverage more consistently, grow up a little bit, become more mature, and the sky's the limit for this guy. And I hope to God that it all just clicks for him next year. And I think with a full offseason here in Athens, I think there's a really good chance it's going to. And he's going to be the receiver that we all have wanted him to be next year. We wanted him to be that this year. He wasn't that this year, but I think he can be that consistently next year, especially the guy like JT Daniels at the helm throwing the football. Obviously, the last couple games, we saw they have quite the connection there. So that's George Pickens. All right, let's move on to the second guy here, and that is defensive lineman Jordan Davis. I love this guy. I love him so much. He's an incredible player, but he's also just seems like just such a fun dude. He's got a great personality. Love this guy. And I'm so glad, so glad he came back. I mean, it's huge to get this guy back. And we all know the strengths that Jordan Davis brings to the table. Um, He's just an absolutely massive human being, kind of has that overwhelming combination of size and strength. We can just dominate the interior. But he also, he's more of a technician than you think. Sometimes people think, oh, he's just big and physical and just bowls over people, dominates them physically. That's true. He does that. But he's also grown into a good technician over the years as well. He does a really good job controlling linemen with his hands when he's trying to two-gap He's learned to play with much better pad level over the years. That was an issue for him early on. His conditioning has gotten better, but I think that's an area that he still needs to improve on. But I love the way the guy moves too. For a guy that's 6'6", 340, man, he moves well. I mean, think about the Peach Bowl. I mean, that's this is the game that's most recent in my mind, how he's chasing down uh, quarterbacks and, and running backs from the sideline, from the middle of the field there at the at the uh, nose tackle position, running, out, running down the sidelines. Moves really well for a guy, like, for a guy that size and plays with an exceptionally high motor. He's a team dude. He's a great player, but a team dude. And I love that about him. He's a great leader. Love this guy. Uh, weaknesses, it, it's tough to pick some some areas needs to improve. The one big thing I would continue to say here is conditioning. He plays really, really hard. And uh, that takes a lot out of them. I would love for him. And he's done a, again, he's done a better job of this. He's gotten in better shape, better condition, controlled his weight better. But I want him to be on the field like every snap. Like, honestly, I would love for that to happen. Uh, and maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, obviously. But I want him on the field as long as much as possible. And to do that, he's just got to continue to improve his conditioning, that kind of thing. Stay healthy. Got hurt this year. And that's not necessarily his fault. When you're that big, you're going to get hurt sometimes. It happens. But I mean, there's just not a ton of weaknesses in this guy's game. Maybe more consistent pass rush. Like we can see him move the pocket really well at times. He he resets line of scrimmage in the run game consistently. Uh, but I'd like to see him maybe become a more consistent pass rusher from the interior. Uh, and that's not really what he's asked to do, but I think he has that ability with the way he moves, the way he can push the pocket. I mean, for quarterbacks, getting pressure, like when you get pressure from the edges, I mean, that's tough, but you, know, you can always step up in the pocket. But when you get pressure right in your face from the nose guard, that, that's when quarterbacks freak out because then they're like, what do I do? Then you start to see them bail out and they can bail into the pressure coming from the from the, uh, from the the edge there. So that's one thing I'd like to see him work on as well. But for his overall grade, I'm giving Jordan Davis a nine. I mean, this guy's a beast. When, when he's not in the game, when he's hurt, there's a noticeable difference in our run defense and our defense in general. I think he is right now. I mean, we, we have a lot of great players in our defense. He's He's been the key. He's what holds us together against the run and makes it to where we can completely take away an opponent's uh, run game and make them one-dimensional. And that's all about Jordan Davis. Of course, other guys involved as well, but Jordan Davis is the centerpiece of that. Love this guy, and I am so excited that he's come back for another year. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, moving on here. Next guy up is running back Kenny McIntosh. You guys know if you've listened to this show, which I know you have, I love this guy. I, I, I'll i say it again. I've said it many times. I think he's the best overall running back on the team. I, I love Zeus. I love James Cook. Love Kendall Milton. I, I, I prefer Kenny McIntosh. I think he has all the attributes those guys bring. I think he has it all in one. Maybe he's not quite as powerful as Zeus, but he's powerful. Maybe he doesn't catch the ball in the backfield quite as well as James Cook, but he catches the ball well in the backfield. I think he's got the total, he's got everything he needs. He's got the total package. Uh, I think he has outstanding vision, and I think he has great lateral agility. And those two things in combination are lethal. You got to be able to see the hole when it opens up. That's great, but you also have to have the lateral ability and that agility to be able to move into that hole. And he's got that. He's got a nasty little jump cut when he sees that hole open up. Like I say, he's also got really good hands on the backfield. He's got great balance. Not Zeus level power, but good power, solid power. I uh, had 47 carries last year. He dealt with some injury issues, 251 yards on the year. Didn't make quite as big of an impact. Obviously, didn't make near as big of an impact as guys like Zeus, and that's why he don't really talk about him as much. Also had 10 catches, 111 yards out of the backfield uh, in, in the past game. I think this guy, I, I think he'd be a feature back. I, I believe it. I truly believe it. If I was a coach, he would be my feature back. I, the other guys deserve carries too. I love Kenny McIntosh. That doesn't mean he's perfect though. There are some areas where he needs to improve. He's got to stay healthy. All right. Number one, if you're running back, I know it's tough in the SEC, but you got to stay on the field. All right. And that's not always your fault. I mean, I hate this, this idea that people are injury prone. Sometimes you just get hurt, you know? Now, sure, you got to stretch and do all that kind of stuff. There's things that you can do to prevent some of these injuries, but he's got to stay healthy, number one. He also, if, if you look at areas he can improve, and I don't know how much he can improve this, but if you're looking at maybe weaknesses, he does not have elite top end speed. I will admit that. He does not. I think he's got plenty of good enough speed, and I do think that speed is overrated as a trait in a running back. It's important. It's it's great to have home run speed, but it's way down my list of attributes I'm looking for in a running back. All right. Uh, I do think he can also be maybe a little bit more decisive when he sees that hole. Be more decisive. Sometimes he does get caught up trying to dance in the hole a little too much. I don't like that. He's at his best when he sees the hole, moves into the hole, slides into the hole, and burst through it. He has the ability to do that. He does it plenty, but sometimes he does dance too much. And that's one thing I would like to see him work on. And I think that will improve with, with additional carries. As time goes on, I think that's something that he can improve on. As for a final performance grade here for Kenny McIntosh, I'm going to give him a six. And I know that might be a little contradictory when I just told you guys, I think he's the best overall running back on the team. He'd be starting for me if I was the coach. But the fact is, he just didn't get enough carries to really land much higher than like a, a six. I mean, even a seven's kind of pushing there. The top end is satisfactory in that range. Again, he only had 47 carries, was injured part of the year, so it's tough to give him more than that. But what I saw from him was a guy that was a consistently solid performer every time he got in the game and was given a touch. And he did have those occasional flashes of excellence. I, I wouldn't say that he was a guy that 
managed a consistent and sustained level of excellence like a guy in the 8 to 10 range. So I'm going to give him a solid 6. If he can stay on the field a bit more and stay healthy, which I think I have every reason to believe he will next year, and get more touches. Now, I don't know about the touches. I don't know. That's going to that's gonna come. It's really going to come down to that in terms of like how much he improves next year. But I think he was a, a, a solid 6 year, a solid performer that, that, that flashed those signs of excellence and, got, and flashed those signs that he can be a big time back. All right, moving on here, let's go back to the defensive side of the ball, and let's talk about one of the inside linebackers, a guy that I think is going to be a part of the rotation this year. Kind of got himself in the rotation a little bit towards the end of last year, and that's Channing Tindall. Played a, a fair amount as a, as a true freshman a couple years ago, really fell out of the rotation as a sophomore, wasn't in it much to start this year. He got kind of surpassed by Quay Walker and Nicobe Dean there, but give this guy credit. He's gone to work. He didn't pout, didn't pitch a fit, didn't transfer, didn't become a locker room cancer or anything like that. He just went to work and got better, and he got himself back in the rotation a little bit there down the stretch of the 2020 season. And he does bring a lot of strings to the table. If you look at what he does well, number one, I'm just going to say this dude can run. I think he is the fastest inside linebacker we have, and that's saying something because Nicobe Dean can move. Quay Walker can move, but Channing Tindall, I think he's got an extra gear as an inside linebacker. Like, like he is shot out of a cannon at times, especially when he's coming after the quarterback. So I love the speed he brings to the table. And when he gets there, he arrives with bad intentions. I mean, he's got some explosiveness in his game in terms of bringing down ball carriers. And one thing I also love about Tindall is I think he's an outstanding blitzer. He might be the best blitzing linebacker on our team. And that's that's also saying something because I think we have a bunch of great linebackers when it comes to blitzing, playing on third downs. I mean, Quay Walker is a guy that plays in space a lot. We use him in a third down package. He's a guy that can absolutely rush off the edge. Nicobe Dean does a good job of that as well. But Tindall, man, he does a really good job of timing his blitzes up. And again, he has that kind of burst. He's like shot out of a cannon and he just flies by the offensive line and can get after the quarterback. So he brings a lot to the table, but there are some areas that he can certainly improve as well. While he is very fast, especially in a straight line, I don't know if he changes direction that well. At least I don't think that he does. I do see some stiffness in his game. He doesn't move laterally as well as you would like. I think that's one of the things that has held him back at times compared to guys like Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker, who are just very fluid athletes. Tindall just doesn't have that natural fluidity to his game. He does have that stiffness. So very fast, but I would like to see him loosen up a little bit. And that does hurt him at times in coverage. I think that's one of the things that's also held him held him back is that he, again, he doesn't move as well laterally as guys like Quay Walker and Nicobe Dean. Therefore, it makes it a little tougher for him in coverage, especially covering some of these, these quicker, shiftier slot receivers that sometimes linebackers are going to be matched up against. So those are some areas where I think Tindall can improve, but I really do think this is a guy that can play. And I think he certainly is going to have a role in the rotation this year. I think he's going to be a, a big player for us in the middle of that defense, along with guys like Quay Walker and Nicobe Dean. Now, as far as his score for this year, again, he got back in the rotation a little bit late in the season, but there are some, again, there's some areas that he still needs to improve on. So I'm, I'm going to give Tindall, I'm going to give him a four, okay? I'm going to give him the high end of the needs improvement category. He's right there, right bordering on like a satisfactory, but I, I still say there's some inconsistency in his game. He has he has shown some flashes, has some solid performances, but he's also kind of been exposed at times in coverage. I want to see him move a little bit le- better laterally, those kind of things, and just have maybe a better grasp of the defense. I think that also is something that could come with time as well. And I do see a, a good, solid future for him as well. I think he's a guy that, you know, with this extra year, maybe he stays a fifth year. That, that could certainly be a guy that could stay a fifth year and going into the 2022 season be, be a guy that gives us a lot of experience on the middle in the middle of that defense when guys like Quay Walker and Kobe Dean might be moving on. So 
That is Channing Tindall. And finally, got one more player here to give a, an evaluation to. And let's stick on the defense side of the ball. And let's go with true freshman defense to tackle Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter is an all-everything recruit, five-star recruit coming out of high school, a guy that I was so excited for us to land. I mean, the first time I saw his tape when he was a junior, I was like, oh, whoa, this guy is like a monster. Now, he didn't play much defensive line in, in, his, in his junior year in high school, but he played that almost exclusively as a senior because everyone realized, oh, yeah, that's where his future is, and he's got to get prepared, got to get a little bit more polished before he goes to the college level. And I'm glad he did play a lot of defensive line as a senior because he was a guy that was ready to come and contribute right away as a true freshman, which really didn't take any of us by surprise. We were kind of expecting him to at least have some sort of a role and impact on this team. He was just too good not to. He gave us something that we didn't really have all that much on the interior. That defensive line is like a true explosive pass rush from the interior, and that's something that we've been missing for a long time. He is that true elite defensive tackle. And, and matching him with Jordan Davis, who we've already reviewed today, and a guy like Devontae Wyatt, like those three on the interior of your defense of line, ooh, watch out. I know they don't play a ton at the same time, or really at all at the same time, but having those guys that you can move in and out, I mean, I know Clemson gets a lot of pub as this great defensive line, and deservedly so. They have a very good defensive line. But as I've said a couple times on this show, I mean, our defensive line is as good as any defensive line in America. Throwing guys like Trevon Walker, if you want to throw in our outside linebackers too, if they play with their hands in the dirt sometimes, Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson, we are as good up front on the defensive line as any team in America. And Jalen Carter is going to be a big part of that. He was a big part of that this year as well. Started a couple games, especially when we had some injuries there on the defensive front with Jordan Davis going down, Devontae Wyatt going down, especially in that Florida game. And what does Carter do? Well, number one, he just has elite quickness and foot speed for an interior defensive lineman. He's explosive off the ball, provides you that interior pass rush again, something we haven't really had a ton of in recent years. But he can also overpower you. It's not like he's just got the quickness and can kind of be pushed around at times by bigger, stronger offensive lines. He can overpower you too. He has that power. He bends really well, plays with a great motor. This guy does a lot of things really well. Now, in terms of weaknesses, I don't even know if these are weaknesses. These are just areas that, we're, that he can continue to improve on like any true freshman. Of course, the technical aspects of the game, using your hands more consistently, hand placement, those kind of things. His pad level was inconsistent at times, although it certainly wasn't a major problem. But that's something he can just continue to, to improve on and polish up improve his conditioning as well. That's something a lot of true freshmen have to deal with. They just aren't prepared to play that many downs in the SEC against grown men. And it wasn't, a, again, not a major problem. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm nitpicking here because the guy was really good as a true freshman. But really, it's, it's just about polishing his game, becoming more of a technician, those kind of things, improving his condition. I mean, everybody can do that, those kind of things. And if he does that, which I fully expect him to do, I mean, this guy, I mean, he's going to be a monster this year. I, I fully believe that. But in terms of his grade as a true freshman coming and competing right away, contributing in a big way right away, making some big time plays for us, being disruptive, I'm going to give him a solid six here. All right. Uh, I considered a seven. I just, seven, that's the high in a satisfactory. I think he was a, the definition of what we have for satisfactory here. I think he was a consistently solid performer with those occasional flashes of excellence. He showed those signs of like, oh my God, this guy is going to be a monster. And I think this year, he's just going to continue to turn that on and take it to another level. And I think he's, he, I don't know if he's ever going to be as important as Jordan Davis, as long as Jordan Davis is on the team, but I think he's going to be a key to this defense as well, a guy that can give us some of that interior pass. When you have guys like Nolan Smith and Adam Anderson coming off the edge, if you can get a push from the interior with guys like Jordan Davis, and especially maybe even more so with Jalen Carter from that three-tech defensive tackle position, it's going to be tough to handle, man. Even the best offensive lines are going to have a lot of trouble handling our defense in front. And I think the Jalen Carter is going to be a big part of that. Your 
are a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, guys, so that is our performance reviews for today. We'll be back with a couple more of those next week leading up to spring practice. But I do have a few minutes here left over for some mailbag questions, so let's get to a few of those today. And we're going to start with a question from uh, our great friend, Josh, who's a great friend of the show. Thank you, Josh. We always appreciate it, buddy. And Josh asks that, or he says that I've been getting a lot of articles on my social media feed about Chaz Chambliss. Can you break down what we are getting in him and how he projects for our team? And absolutely, Josh, I'd be glad to. We talked about him a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago when we did our deep dive into the defensive recruiting class in this 2021 recruiting class. And Chaz Chambliss is a guy that I think has a chance to be a good player here in Athens. He's an early enrollee. He's been here with the team working out. And this guy is... I mean, if there's one thing that stands out to me about Chaz Chambliss is that this dude is a weight room warrior. I mean, he is ripped up. You can tell he loves to get in the weight room and throw the weight around. He's 6'2", about 240 pounds. He projects as an outside linebacker. Now, in high school at Carrollton, he did show on film that he could stand up and play a little bit in space, play a little inside linebacker, drop into coverage a little bit and do some fire zones, that kind of thing. But I don't think that's his future at the college level. I think he is a pure outside linebacker and he brings a lot to the table from that regard. Now he is not as explosive as a guy like Adam Anderson or Nolan Smith. That's not his game necessarily. Now he does have plenty of explosiveness off the ball. It's not like he's lead footed out there and can't get off the ball. He moves off the ball just fine, but he's got more of a power game, but he does move well. I will say he's got a little bit of fluidity to his game as an outside linebacker, not necessarily an inside linebacker. The way I guess I would put it is I would say if he played inside linebacker, he would be a subpar athlete for an inside linebacker. But for an outside linebacker, I think he's a pretty good athlete, an underrated, undervalued athlete from that position. And he's so strong. He's He is a polished guy. He's a guy that will work hard. He'll practice hard. He plays with an exceptionally high motor. That might be his greatest strength. This guy just plays really hard. And don't get me wrong. When you watch his tape and you see him chase down quarterbacks from behind, this guy has a gear. Like when he is on the hunt, when he's on the prowl, and he, he sees blood in the water there, he can turn it into another gear and he'll get after the quarterback. So I think at the, at the very least, he's a guy that's going to be a solid rotational piece at outside linebacker with with the potential to be a really good player out there for us, really just especially with how hard he plays and the, and the ferociousness he brings to the game. I don't, again, I don't think his ceiling is as high as a guy like MJ Sherman or Nolan Smith or Adam Anderson as a pass rusher, but he can rush a passer. He can play the run. I think he can be the total package there at outside linebacker with maybe just not quite as high of a ceiling as some of these guys that we've had in in the past couple years outside linebacker, which we've been really spoiled with. But I certainly think he's a guy that's going to contribute during his time here in Athens. So good question there. Of course, we'll be covering him through spring practice. He's one of those guys I'm really excited to see what he does during G-Day. I would love to get a look at him and kind of see what he looks like at the college level now that he's been in a college weight program. He's already ripped and huge 
as a as a guy coming out of high school working out on his own in his high school gym. But now with like professionals getting this guy in shape, I'm very curious to see what he brings to the table uh, this spring. All right, moving on here, got one more question we'll get to today, and this is actually a basketball question. I love it. Uh, Terrence asked, thank you for the question, Terrence. Terrence asked, with the win over LSU this week and the recent news that Alabama was added to our schedule next weekend, could the dogs sneak into the tournament with a win this weekend and next weekend over Alabama? Or would they have to do a lot of work in the SEC tournament? A uh, great question, Terrence. I'm, I'm glad we're getting some basketball questions here. And like, I'm excited about this basketball program and the direction that we're heading in. Do I think we're going to make the NCAA tournament this year, Terrence? Uh, the answer is no. I do not think that we're going to sneak into the tournament. I just don't. Outside of winning the SEC tournament, this team is not going to get in the tournament. We're not even in the bubble conversation right now. Now, I will say the win over LSU did bump our net ring up into the 80s. We were like 92nd, something like that before that game. Now we're all the way up to 83. Hey, is that something? But still, 83, we're not really in the conversation. I mean, Mississippi State's 81, Providence 80, NC State 79. Those teams aren't getting in. We're not getting in. Even if we beat South, the South Carolina, beating them this weekend at home is going to do nothing for our resume. It's better than losing, I guess, but that's not going to help us in the NCAA tournament. Being Alabama would help. It'd be a nice win. But the reason our net rating is so low right now is that we just, we just don't have the quad one wins. Then we have two quad one wins. Uh, I think we're two and six in quad one opportunities. And our, non, our non-con schedule was terrible. The strength of schedule was just terrible. I think our non-con strength of schedule is 242nd nationally. The only team with a pulse that we play was Cincinnati, and they don't even really have a pulse this year. Normally, they're good. They're not good this year. They have a losing record this year. And that's not really necessarily our fault. It was COVID-related. I mean, obviously, that really threw a wrench into our non-conference plans. We only had seven non-con games. And again, the best team we played was Cincinnati, who has a losing record. So I, I, we just don't have the metrics. We don't have the wins. We don't have the resume right now. Even with a win over Alabama, that'd be great, but that would be like our only, like I would say, our only good win. We have some solid wins. Getting that win over LSU at home is a nice win. Going to Auburn, Auburn's not good this year, but we get still winning at Auburn's. It's, it's a good, solid win. We have uh, the, the win over Missouri at home. That's a ranked team. That is a good win. So we have some solid wins, but not enough. Not enough to compensate for the the lack of strength in that non-conference slate. We don't have enough quad one wins. We're just not going to get there unless we win the SEC tournament. I, I wish I could tell you differently. I just don't see it happening. It's what it, let's say we went out in the regular season. Let's, we beat South Carolina this weekend. Somehow we beat Alabama. And in case you guys are wondering, why, why am I talking about Alabama? Remember we were supposed to play Texas A&M a couple of weeks ago uh, after that three-game win streak? And I was hoping we were going to get four in a row there because A&M is the worst team in the league. But they went on COVID pause. They've been on COVID pause since like January 30th. I don't think they played a game since the 30th. They're supposed to play this weekend. We'll see. And uh, so there's a lot of games that have been canceled recently in the SEC, or postponed the SEC. So the SEC kind of redid the end of the schedule. And uh, we were technically supposed to play Tennessee, I think, next Tuesday originally. We moved the Tennessee game up when the, the A&M game got postponed. And it was kind of opening, like, what were we going to do next week? And uh, so after we play South Carolina this weekend, we've added, the SEC has given us the distinct honor of playing Alabama next weekend. So we replaced the worst team in the league with the best team in the league. And I guess you could say on one hand, well, it gives us a chance for, for a resume win. But like, again, I don't, that, even if we win that game, which we're probably not going to win. I, I know it's at home. And Alabama has been kind of scuffling of late or haven't been playing as well. That's not going to be enough to get us in the tournament. I would like to just for us to have a chance to add one more conference win, get a little momentum, and I would love if we were playing A and M honestly, because I think that would give us a better chance to win that game and kind of just build more momentum heading into next year. Something you can you can sell to recruits, that kind of thing. So personally, that's what I would like. But we are playing Alabama next week, and I think what March the sixth. So even if we win both those games, what is that? That puts us at nine and nine overall in the conference. 
That's great. Cool. Not enough. It's just not enough. We would have to win the SEC tournament, in my opinion. We'd have to win. If you look at our metrics right now, I just don't know how winning those two games would do enough to get us even really, maybe on the fringe of the bubble conversation, maybe a win over Alabama and a win over South Carolina getting to 99 would put us in like the next four out range, maybe. But that's not really the tournament. I think we'd have to win. I think we'd have to win the SEC tournament. I just, I this team is good enough to beat most teams in this league any given night if we play well, like we saw against LSU. LSU was coming to that game this week. Was this? They were tied for second in the conference. It's a good solid team. I told you guys earlier that we got thought we could beat them because they just. I hate the way they play offense. It's it's NBA esque. I know that's the way things are trending, and I know players like it. That's why they're able to recruit all these great players. Plus, they always pay them because that's what Will Wade does. Will Wade is straight garbage, but that's besides the point. But it, it's all one on one ball. It's what I call my turn ball. Every time up the court, they just give it to one guy and says, "All right, it's my turn. I'm going to go one on one." And then the next time up, it's another guy. It's my, it's my turn. Whether it's Trenton Watford, whether it's Devonte Smart, whether it's Cam Thomas, it's my turn ball. I'm going to go one on one. And they, the other, to their credit, they won a lot of games because they're really good one on one players. But when, it, when it's a tight game like that and your shots aren't falling and you play a team that's playing some decent defense, then you're going to struggle to score. And that's what happens with LSU. So I thought we had a chance to beat them and we played really well and we won that game. We won that game convincingly. They were really never in that game. We beat Missouri last week. So we can beat just about anybody in the conference on any given night. But the thing is, we can also lose to anybody in the conference on any given night. I mean, we lost to South Carolina on the road by almost, what was like 20-whatever points. Like we got blown out. South Carolina is the second-worst team in the conference outside A&M. And we got blown out by them. Hopefully, we can beat them at home this weekend. But, I mean, we're, so yeah, it's, it's just kind of where we are as a program right now. Like, we can beat anybody if we play well, but we can also lose to anybody. So, can we string together enough consecutive wins in the SEC tournament to win that thing? I, I don't think so. I, I haven't seen evidence of that. I know we had a nice three-game win streak, but against the best teams in the conference consecutively, I, I just don't know. I don't think that we can do that. I hope I'm wrong. It'd be awesome. I just, I don't see it right now. But of course, hey, if it happens, we'll, we'll definitely be covering it here on the podcast. But that's it for me today here, guys. I, I really appreciate you guys sticking with me here, even though I'm flying solo. Uh, again, thank you guys one more time for all the support over the years um, to allow us to keep doing this thing. I re- we really appreciate it. And um, you guys have been awesome. So just keep spreading the word. That helps us out a ton, guys. Ratings, reviews on Whatever platform you listen to us on, especially Apple Podcasts, those things, they help more than you guys know. Just telling your friends, your family about the show, and just listening to the show. All of those things help, and you guys have just been awesome. So thank you so much for that, and we're excited to be able to bring you our brand of content here for uh, at least another year, and hopefully much longer. That's the plan, right? As long as we can get this thing going. But thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Hope the dogs have a great weekend. we got UGA Tennis. Uh, men's tennis team is going to be playing the Mississippi schools here in town this weekend. So if you get a chance, come on and check that out on Friday and Sunday. Got uh, South Carolina coming to town for the basketball team, baseball teams in town playing Gardner Webb. So a lot of great things going on in Athens. Hopefully it's a great weekend all around. But all right, guys, have a great weekend. And as always, go dogs.